I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast. I am Sonny, here hosting with Caleb. Ya boy! Oh, man. It is Friday, July 2nd. Well, I am currently enjoying my vacation. Yes, yes. Um, uh, as we're... Uh, pre-recording this uh <laughs> the sunday right before um so it's because he's gonna be gone for the next week so if something big happens in the next week we won't be able to talk about it until next tuesday's episode right right so we we figured out what we wanted to talk about and now that we have something to talk about we are going to go ahead and record still put out an episode to well obviously you're hearing this on friday, friday. um still putting out an episode here on july the second this is the start of season two everybody yeah boys we made it this is the start of the new format every format will be the start of a new season this is season two episode uno one oh yeah boys okay so um so normally we'd start with some quick play news which there is no quick play news right now actually i do want to talk a little bit about the uh yeah the speed duel so what we have is Recently, Konami has put out a survey with some very interesting implications for speed duels. Um, this There's a survey link, which, honestly, by the time we post this, the link will probably be dead and it's too yeah, late. Yeah, I'm not going to bother putting it in the description this time. Yeah, so, um, but what, we'll, what we will say is, it's about 10 questions. I took the survey. I would like speed duels to stick around, mm-hmm. but the... Really, there's like some interesting questions in the survey, um, such as like how powerful or weak should skill cards be handled? Um, how should powerful cards be handled for speed duels? What sort of tournament prize support would you like to see for speed duels for both entry and top duelists? 
What recommendations would you make to help speed duels improve in the future? Um, basically, what they're asking here is, do you think speed duels should implement a ban list? And if so, how should they implement it? How I mean, would you do you think that it should be similar to um, dual links because it's basically dual links IRL, right? It's paper dual links, right? So, which you have, you only have three cards at a time. Uh, you know, three monsters, three spell and trap zones. You have powers and stuff, skills, yada yada. Right, right. So your skill cards are your powers and things like that. Um, it, it's really is. It's a different game with the same cards, which I I, I like the idea of, but. This is all, they even ask, like, how do you feel about the Battle City box? Do you think that we should put out more products about, the, like, the Battle City box? Do you think that that was a good place? Do you think we should do more or less? What, what do you think? And honestly, I love that Konami is just going straight to the player base to get our opinions. This is something that we don't see from Konami. This is something we really don't see. Which, this is something we don't normally see from any company. Yeah, just go straight. So, not, okay. We see it from smaller companies, but like a multi-billion-dollar big international corporation, you don't see them go directly to the consumers and say, "Hey, we want to know what you think." Our yeah. player base. Oh yeah, like I haven't seen, like I haven't heard of Wizards of the Coast doing this for Magic in a long, in a time. long time, probably since uh, two thousand eight, two thousand ten. Yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know Magic that closely, but I imagine. Yeah, neither do I. They're they're big enough now to where it's like. Sure, they might hear what the player base is saying, and they have a lot more of an open door than we do. But because Konami is like generally like a wall of silence, but for them to be coming to the player base and saying, "Hey, we want to hear from you," yeah, I, I think a lot of this is spurred on by MBT put out a video last week all about speed duels, and it was like a 15 minute video about how much he loves speed duels, how much he loved the Battle City box in particular, how much he hopes that they continue to nurture and put out this product. Which I found really interesting that not a week after he puts out that video, this here we have sur- this survey. Yeah, the survey pops up, right, talking about this and about the Battle City box. I mean, I mean, it's probably not the reason why they did it, but I'm pretty sure MBT would like to believe that's the reason why they did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he even put out, he put out a tweet where he retweeted the link and everything, and he said, "Listen, he's like, I'm not gonna sit here and say Konami watches my videos, but." pretty clear they watched my video (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know what he's right i mean this is a cool format it's a great way to introduce people into the game you still have complicated mechanics and it's still a good game it's almost like goat format light because you have nomino crossout dekoichi i mean i mean you have all those goat format power cards and sure you have some newer stuff too but it's really interesting to see how it's evolving oh yeah most definitely so, that was the only quick play news I had. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to no, add, no, Taylor. not really. Okay. Well, uh, let's go ahead and we'll do a quick ad break and we'll move into some of the tournament results for the weekend. Okay. We're going to move into the the first one that we're going to talk about is the Distant Coders 52-man tournament that he just did. Um, this is a... Was this remote duel or dueling book? Uh, I want to say it was dueling book. Okay. I'm probably wrong. I think it, I think it might have actually been remote duel. Yeah, I, I don't know. It might have been. Uh, l- all right. So for all right. So first off, we got in first place, uh, Matt t- t- underscore six with uh, three T's. Um, he got first place with invoke should all. Okay, so 
Like, this, like, Invoke Shadal or Invoke Shadal Dogmatica? Invoke Shadal. Okay, so no Dogmatica. No Dogmatica. Gross. This sounds yep. horrible. Uh, and then for top four, we had Fimble Yu-Gi-Oh running Salamangrate and not Madolce for once. Oh, are they, like, known for Madolce? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Um, which my whole thing about it is, I, I haven't been... I haven't uh, known about uh, Finboy Yu-Gi-Oh for very long, and from what I can tell, that's just kind of the meme is he right. run, is that they run Madolce all the time. Um, I mean, whatever. <laughs> um, then we have uh, Marquito with three axes, kitchen sink, as he put it. I with, love that. Which was PK Fire, so Phantom Knight and Burning Abyss, with Preta Plants, and not just Verte Anaconda. Right. Like Ortho Scorpio and a couple of the cards, uh, and Dragoon. So, like, an actual full-on Predaplant engine. Yeah, the full Predaplant engine with, uh, with, uh, so that we could, uh, recycle Red Ice Fusion or something. I don't, I don't entirely know. I think it was primarily just a second way to get into Dragoon should Verte Anaconda go. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, because then he can use them to actually search out the Red Ice Fusion or even just Polymerization if they get in his hand. There's a couple of things they can do there. Right. Uh, and then we have, uh, Morgan, Morgan Roar. Morgan uh, Rur? Morgan Rur? Uh, Mo- Morgan Rur. Uh, <laughs> uh, with his invoked Shadal deck. Again, no Dogmatica. Yeah. And then top eight, we have No Name 2, running Salamangrate. Phoenix 107, running at, at Ignister. Perfect Tubby, running at Ignister. And Zimyo, running Tri-Brigade. It's interesting that there's multiple Salads and multiple at Ignisters, multiple invoked Shadal with no Dogmatica. Yeah, um, and then three axes kitchen sink, as he put it, and a single tri brigade. Yeah, I think part of that might just be a lack of. I mean, fifty-two people is like no wrong. It's not a small tournament. Like yeah, like you hear about like YCSs are at like a thousand and this that and the other, but like fifty-two is like still like it's, it's bigger sizable. than it's bigger than most locals. Yeah, it's yeah most locals will be at around twenty-ish, right. Give or take. I, I, for us, anyway. That's like a normal... Yeah, yeah. It is around 20, plus or minus a couple, depending upon... Who shows fact- up that yeah. day. Who shows up. A lot of factors there, because some people uh, cause some people can only show up if someone else shows up, because they're their ride or whatever. Um, uh, I mean, I, I've heard, I've seen some other locals get up to 30 people. I know out in California, they'll get locals up at like yeah. 80 to 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big old locals. But that's out in where people have... Uh, where there's... Huge player base. Yeah, there's a much bigger player base in a smaller area. Yeah, and part of that is, I think, somewhere in a big city like that. I think Dallas actually has locals like that, too. I think Dallas, Ohio, and California are, like, the three biggest, like, SoCal, are, like, the yeah. three biggest, like, player communities that we have in... Um, the U.S. In the U.S., yeah. So, I'm, I'm not saying that they don't have big communities out there on the East Coast. Um, I know they just had a tournament in Connecticut recently that was rather large. But yeah, uh, yeah, comparatively. So yeah, uh, I don't know necessarily. If there's a ton to take off of this. Um, multiple salad is actually really interesting. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no. Uh, it, Clearly, I mean, Mirage Dalio helps, but that yeah. could be a representation thing. Yeah, I think it's also a lot of people wanting to try out Mirage. You know, try out Salamangrace with, the new, with exactly. the new Yeah, it's it's a lot of new toy syndrome. Yeah, like I said, I, I think a lot of it is like, um, you know, just like you said, new toy like. Like, out of 52 people, sure, you may have only had one Zubrigade in the top cup, but, you know, new bandless, people want to try out new stuff. Maybe there's only four represented in the whole tournament. Very possibly. And there might have been ten salad. You never know. Yeah, yeah. 
come next up we have the breakdown of the PPG, uh, which actually used the July first ban list. Oh wait, did the did the coder tournament use the July first ban list? Yes. Okay. Okay. So they both did. Yeah. Um, actually, all the tournaments we're talking about today. Yes, all three tournaments that we're talking about today all use the July first ban list. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay, so th- we have the top 16 from the PPG tournament. Uh, top 16 was, in no particular order, three Sky Striker, three Virtual World. All three of them both would do Muddy Mud Dragon, Ultimaya Zulkin. Into uh, Dragoon. Yeah, into Dragoon. Boo. Uh, Zombie Lich, which uh, one interesting tech I saw was that they would uh, overlay into the rank 5 monster Valiant Shark Lancer. Uh-huh. Detach one, pop a monster. Overlay Shark Lancer into full armored Crystal Zero Lancer. Detach one to... Uh, board negate your opponent's entire field. That's interesting. So this this was not an online tournament, though, right? This was an in-person event. Yes. Yeah, at the PPG, and I think they're in Miami or Orlando. One or the other. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, next up we have a Stun Lich, which ran Inspector Border and Card of Demise with the Old Lich engine. Right, right. Uh, invoked Dogma Doll, which ran Golden Lord. Invoked Shadow, which ran one golden, Lord. which ran golden Lord, but no dogmatic there. It's interesting to me that just to cut in, I'm not sorry, I'm not trying to cut no, in. No, you're good. It's interesting to me that they both, even though one was on the dogmatic engine and one was not, that they both decided to go in with one golden Lord because it's such an interesting card, right? Because even something as simple as activate golden Lord, send golden Lord, and invocation, and then. You can um, activate invocations effect in the graveyard if necessary, if you need to. Um, actually, I think a good actually good I think actually think good uh, point for that is normal summon Alistair, search invocation, um, link off Alistair, and your opponent DD crows it. Yeah, it, it gives you more options. Yeah, yeah, it, it lets you reci- it lets you get it back. It still get it back by giving you an outlet to put that invocation in the graveyard. It 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 reminds me of. The new Fluffle decks teching in one to two Golden Lords to get the Toy Vendors out of their hand. Because yeah. They, it's in, toy Vendors more useful in the graveyard than it is in your hand. And I'm not saying that Invocation is more useful in the graveyard, but when you have it in your hand and nothing else to use it with, Golden Lord is an, an option to start yeah. getting a, some kind of a cycle going. Even if you're not running... Curse Eldland or all the traps. Yeah. Eldritch Golden Lord on his own is in and of himself like a useful tool. Oh, speaking of traps, I forgot to mention the Stunlich player. Uh-huh. What is the trap card where it's like a golden lion on it? Is it a Eldritch card? Yeah, it's it's like something of the golden land. Oh. He was running that one. One of it, but I was like, I didn't, I didn't think people actually ran that. Most don't. Yeah. Oh gosh! Uh, if you hadn't asked me, I could have told yeah. you. Well, anyway, uh, another no, no, no. In uh, the invoke Shadal thing though, with uh, Golden Lord, another thing to remember about Golden Lord is that he's a light target as well. True. So once so he's in the grave, you, you can, can use him to make yeah. construct, uh, and gives you another mo- another body to put on board in case of something along the lines of TC Boo, Guardian of the Golden Land. There we go. They're running one copy of Guardian. Yeah, it, it's what it, it's another name. It's another monster. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Drytron Megalith, which was running uh, one OPL and two full. The the Megalith package is really good in Drytron. The only issue is finding the room for it. Yeah. Uh, one Salamangrate, which was running two copies of Sea Archiver. That's interesting. And only one Lady Debug, which confused me. 
Um, I mean, you have to make room somewhere, and like yeah. the debugger is really nothing but an extender. So if you have yeah, enough starters and you already have a lot of extenders, you don't really need more necessarily. That, that's fair. Well, Sea Archiver is both a starter and an extender. I mean, if it more, if it's more versatile than Lady Debug, and you're Maybe. because you're on the Salamangrate with because you're on the Mirage Stallio build, and you're focused less on Cybers and more on Fire, then you know. Maybe I mean Sea Archiver is also a water monster, but is it? Well, I don't know, I guess. I don't yeah. know, I guess anyway, you just uh, would have to look at, see how they play. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have one Rescue Cat Tri-Brigade. It was just but your standard Tri-Brigade that also ran Rescue Cat, and they sided the Zodiacs. Including the extra deck. They sided. Oh, Tiger Mortar. It was only Tiger Mortar was in the side. Honestly, I cut Tiger Mortar from my Zodiac yeah. uh, Tri-Brigade build. I could see why. Well, yeah, because without, without Dryden, there's really not a need to run... Tiger Mortar, except as another name for your Zeus. And even then, even if you stack Borbo, you would have to go Borbo with Chalkanine with Tiger Mortar to make a two-stack Zeus, which is good. But you maybe lose a little bit of versatility that you could have used elsewhere. Fair enough. Uh, One Mech Knight, pure Mech Knight, not... Mech Knight makes anything else pure Mech Knight. They were even running three World Legacies memories, uh, a copy of World Legacy World Chalice, and one of their big plays was make Dengirsu stack Zeus on top. That seems pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, one Prank Kids, uh, Prank Kids, which hard ran three Polymerization. I mean, whew, whatever does the job, I guess. Maybe in testing they were seeing way too many Prank Kid names in their hand. Maybe. Uh, and one copy of MIT, which ran goes in, three goes in a match and a skill drain. Okay. Um, that's interesting. So, do we do we know? Do we have anything about actual um top like top four finals? No. We don't have any of that information. No, I I, I I was only able to find top. I was only able to find the deck lists in top sixteen. Then it was only top sixteen. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, as long as we have the actual deck lists, we yeah. know. Just because there's a lot of stuff here doesn't mean that all this stuff is good. But I think what we can say is. We knew as soon as this format opened up, we were going to see lots Sky of Sky Strikers. Striker, yep. lots of Invoke Shadal Dogmatica, because if that deck didn't get hit on the ban list, it's still one of the best decks. It's probably, mm-hmm. if it's not the best control deck, it's the second best control deck. Yeah. Um, also, uh, all of course, everyone who's probably listening already probably knows this, but yes, all three of the um, Sky, Sky Striker, Striker decks were all running share ride, Shared Ride. Were they all pure Sky Striker? Yeah. Okay. I, what I like about Sky Striker, I like the Sky Striker Eldritch builds. I really think those are really strong. Yo, yeah. That, that's it's also it's also quite a fa- quite fascinating because then if your strikers fail, which can happen fairly easily, you then have the Eldritch stuff to uh, fall back on. Yeah, I, I don't know if the striker engine is going to fail that easily, but it's Imperial Order, man. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Imperial Order is a heck of a card, especially especially in a deck whose entire shtick is I'm going to play a just a metric truck load of spell cards. Yeah, and the Eldritch of Goldmore does give you an immediate out to Imperial Order, but I mean you can't you can't rely on Imperial Order at one. Exactly, exactly. You can't just. And even then, there's only a few decks that can actually play it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. Most certainly. All right. And the last thing we want to talk about is the MBT Chalice Line Monthly this weekend. Uh, well, it's, this, the weekend of recording. Yeah, which it is, is currently going on as we speak. 
Right. And that is Sunday, June 27th. Yes. Um, Right before we start recording, they were going into finals, uh, which is going to be Tri-Brigade versus Altergeist. Right, right. So, all we have right now for you is an entire tournament breakdown, which is 8% Salamangrate, 6% Tri-Brigade, various builds, some pure, some Zodiac, stuff like that. Um, 5% Sky Striker, 5% Invoke Dogmatica Doll, uh, Invoke Dogma Dolls, 5% Altergeist, 5% Prank Kids, 4% Phantom Knight, 4% Drytron, 4%, 3% Virtual World, 3 Amazement, 3% Subterror, and 49% Other, which at the very least included at least one, uh, Dino. Yeah. The, he, he got top four. Yeah. Right before the recording, we were watching the Dino versus, uh, uh Tri Brigade. Oh, such a good last game. That game oh, yeah. three was amazing. Oh, yeah, it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It was, whew, it was a game. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I don't, but, I don't know if there's a ton to take away here either. I mean, one thing is the fall of Dino. Just so few people running Dino anymore in, for this. Well, it's but because I, so many decks are mid range right now. Yeah, I, I think another part of it, of course, is also that this well, was a simulator missed and missed the one. Yeah, it missed one. This is also a simulator tournament. Not. So how does that affect the... Because um, then people can run, run whatever they want. I guess, yeah. I know a lot of people wanted to try out uh, Salad with the the one Mirage Dalio. And a lot of yeah. people wanted to try out um, Strikers with one Engage. So. That, that being said, I was watching uh, one of the duels earlier. And I saw a Salamangre player beat Tri-Brigade. Uh... Went into game three, never made access code. Really? Didn't need it. <laughs> I mean, Sal is a for, good deck. For that particular game round. Right. They didn't need access code to win that. I can only imagine the poor Tribrate Zodiac player's hand. Oh. Yeah. Um. But, well, no, it was very much back and forth. It's just the Salad player kept outing everything the Tribrate player had and vice versa. Right, right. Um, like I said, I don't. I, it's crazy to me that we basically in all three of those breakdowns, almost no Drytron. Oh yeah, ve- it was there, but it was very, very, limited. very low representation on Drytron. Oh yeah, no, oh, no, particularly since they were also completely untouched on the ban list. Yeah, I, and I also think, got all kinds of new support. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the reason for that is, and this is not. A knock on the people that are not playing Drytron. This is not a knock on the people that are have tried Drytron and didn't like it. But Drytron is so hard to play. I I played the deck right when it first came out with the Vanity's Ruler build and all that, and I hated Drytron. I was not near smart enough to run that deck. Fair. That deck is big brain, dude. It takes every wrinkle in your brain to play that deck it, i mean it's it's hard so i mean the combo lines are crazy but i for me personally i have found um you know dylan friend of the podcast he he he's on uh he's on dry right now and i have found that as long as you can either gamma strike something along those lines negate the activation and effect of the um, diviner of the herald is it diviner of heralds. Yeah, yeah. As if you can negate and get that off the field, you just win. Not every time, but a lot of the time. 
Oh yeah. Also just uh Droll. Oh yeah, Droll Droll ends their turn. Yep. Literally it just ends their turn. Yep, just yep, just as soon as they they start their turn, just just show them the droll. Yeah. If you if you show droll right after that first search, they literally might be able to make like one, maybe two plays. Yep, it, it cuts off almost the entire deck. Just cuts them off from it. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's 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 rough. Get your so. drolls. So that'll conclude all of the tournament results that we had. Um, what we want to do now is we want to broach a little. We want to approach a little bit different of a topic. Um, going since since we had this since we're recording an extra episode way in advance, we wanted to take the time to talk a little bit about a, maybe a little bit bigger of a topic. And this is something that I think will help a lot of newer players because um, if you've read, if you've read the, t- the show's title, you already know what we're talking about here, but keep you in suspense just a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. For, for people who just kind of start playing a list. Right. Right. So something that, I have found, I, I watch, when I say I am all in on the content for Yu-Gi-Oh, I'm all in, okay? Um, and I'm turning a little bit more now so it's a little conversation between me and you yeah. almost, Caleb. I'm like all in on Yu-Gi-Oh content. I watch, um, I I mean, I don't watch, I because I, I drive for a living. So what I'll do is I'll start a stream, I'll start a YouTube video. I'll put it in my cup holder, turn it away, or I'll put it in my backpack my, and just listen on my AirPods and just listen. But basically, I'm, inge- I'm ingesting Yu-Gi-Oh! content nonstop. And what I have found is all these viewers in streams, all these people watching on YouTube, such an enormous amount of the player base has started playing in the last year. Probably, and I, I kid you not when I say this, probably... 20% of the player base has started playing last year. They probably don't they don't even have physical cards. Yeah, now that's people who have never played the game before, never collected the card game, nothing, just decided I'm going to pick up this as a hobby. Well, and a lot of it is COVID hit. Yeah. Everybody's stuck at home and they're quarantined and bored. And bored. And they they they're online looking for something to do and maybe they stumble across a YouTube video or a Twitch stream of somebody playing Yu-Gi-Oh and they're like, "Oh man, there's this game that I haven't seen or played much since I was a kid, if at all. Right? Like, wow! Look how advanced this turn this system is. Look how complicated this game is. This is awesome. I want to try this. And uh, then they start playing on Dueling Book mm-hmm. or Duelings or, or Duelings or buy the um uh Duel whatever for like right, for the PC right. and the Switch or whatever. Yeah, I mean, um, which all is- those little entry level points. Or at Walmart, maybe. And they're, they're just passing through Walmart, and they see cards. They're like, man, let me get some cards. Yeah, because why not? I've got nothing better to do. Give me something to look at and sort. Right. And uh, maybe they step up a little bit, and they start doing remote duels. Uh, then you also have the people who were kids when the you know when they were originally playing the game and just kind of stopped playing the game for whatever reason. They grew out of it. Um, no one, They had no one else to play with because their friends grew out of it, whatever. Right, right. Um, who then decided, hey, I have nothing. Again, I have nothing better to do. I'll get back in this game that I used to love. Right. I'm stuck at home. You know, I'm seeing there's a huge community online. I can play online. I don't have to invest anything into it up front. So with this huge influx of players during COVID, I mean, 
we came back at the start of COVID. Yep. I mean, this is people returning players that have never played in tournaments or whatever. So our logic was with there being such a huge, and even then, I, I keep cutting myself off. Even then, before COVID, toss format because of Salomon Great, the game was the biggest it had ever been. They were capping out YCSs, capping out regionals, because the game was growing so much. And that growth is still happening, believe it or not. So, with all that said, with all these new players coming into the game, we wanted to do at least a half episode on how to prepare for your first tournament. Oh, yeah. And this is whether it be locals, which we highly recommend you start with locals and then move your way up. We started at the regional level and it was a nightmare. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do what we did. But, I mean, we also didn't know about locals. Go to locals. Find them. Yeah. And even if you can't find a locals, like, really close to you, go online. They have remote dual locals on Discord. Yeah. So, you can do... Remote duels on Discord. You can do remote duels through through Konami. Extravaganzas. There's an extravaganza happening this weekend. Yep. Uh, and then uh, not. And then uh, well, later the weekend of the 27th. Yeah. <laughs> and then like later this month, there's actually going to be a remote duel YCS. Right. And on top of that, you have infinite little like I know you're doing uh, this coming weekend the Femboy Yu-Gi-Oh tournament on yep. the third and then next week will be the uh, YCS YCS and the next week is the Ronin Toad tar- tournament right there's there's always tons of tournaments to enter even if you don't have a locals near you so the goal for this will be to prepare for your first tournament now this will be more geared toward an IRL in real life yeah. tournament so so part of the thought process here is that a lot of this is going to be for IRL tournaments because I'm not saying COVID's over. It's absolutely not. It's still a thing. You still need to take all your precautions. Hand sanitizer, masks, the whole nine. Follow Get vaccinated. Your, right. Follow all your local recommendations and guidelines. The thing, though, is a lot of shops are opening back up. Whether there's dividers in between the matches, whether there's they're saying, hey, keep a little bit of space in between your players, whatever it is. The locals are opening back up. Around us, they're full. They're full go. Every weekend, locals like nothing ever happened. Which I'm not saying is right. I'm saying it's happening. It is what it is. Right. So the goal for preparing for your first tournament is to be ready when you walk in the door. Know what's happening. Right. Don't get caught oh, off yeah. guard and not know what to know what to do. Oh yeah. So first off, we'll start with all the stuff you do pre-tournament the stuff you do before you even leave your house um this is where about 90 percent of Yu-Gi-Oh itself will take place absolutely most of that and about 90 percent and like 99 percent of that 90 percent will be deck building and not just deck building but play testing yeah um because you have to first off you gotta figure out what deck you want to play whether or not you want to play control a combo aggro oriented deck uh control aggro where you put out big mon Whatever, you gotta figure out your strategy, figure out your archetype. Combo, control, stun, whatever. Whatever. And then you then you gotta figure out, okay, well I need three of this card, I need two of this. I can only run one of this because it's limited. So I'll have to kinda all of that. I want I want thirteen starters, I want fourteen extenders, I want two bomb cards. Etc. etc. Um okay, then you know, then as far as uh uh 
staples, I'm going to need Ash Blossoms. So I should probably make. So I'm probably going to main three Ash Blossoms. I'll right. side the Drolls for this other matchup. Right. Blah 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 blah. All that, and then you got a play test, which is you duel other people, and, and you duel a lot to kind of see what adjustments you need to make. Right. So. With building and with playtesting, it always helps to have friends to bounce ideas off of. Get to know the very experienced players at your locals. Help them for advice. Ask them for advice and help. And most of the time, you'll find that players at locals, even the best players, find somebody that's top the regional or a YCS. Walk right up to them and be like, hey, I need help. Yeah, I'm like, new. I, I'm, I need help. Exactly. I'm new to this game. I really I want to get really good at this game. I want to devote time to it and be experienced and experience these cool things, but I need help. And most of the time, they will sit down with you. They will play test with you. They will point out your errors. They will point out your mistakes, and they will help you grow. And that is the most important thing. And then something else that they'll also do is kind of go, hey, so listen, you're doing like you're doing this combo line. Did you know that you can actually do this, this weird interaction yep. with this card? And you're like... I didn't know that. I didn't know it worked like that. Oh, dude! Sometimes learning those little interactions are what can catapult the player from good to great. So a great ex- almost every time. Oh yeah. Oh, a great example is this: is back when I was first picking up Dragon Link, um, I didn't realize uh, that if you activate Striker Dragon's effect to pop itself, and you had a recharger in grave, um, so so Striker Dragon can target one card on your one face card on your side of the field and one Rocket Monster Graveyard, pop the first target, add the second target to your hand. So you pop uh, Striker Dragon with its own effect, adding Recharger Hand. Recharger's effect states that whenever a Dark Link monster, or Dark Extra Deck, or Dark Extra Deck monster gets sent to the graveyard, you can send it to the from field or hand to the graveyard, especially summon an, uh, another Dark Dragon with a different name. At first, I thought you couldn't just pop Striker, add to hand, and just immediately activate its effect. You can, right? Another thing is, I remember when you first picked up that deck, we didn't. It just didn't register to us that. Nibiru activates the effect of Heretic Seal. Yep, because it tributes it. Yeah, and whenever the card is tributed. So, that's why, for like, when you first started playtesting, Nibiru was so extra punishing. And then, I remember I was at the tournament talking to somebody about Dragon Link, and they were like, oh man, man, once they have that Spheres, they're protected from Nibiru. And I thought about it, I thought about it, and it dawned on me, I immediately messaged you, and I was like, dude. We've been missing this this entire yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, he literally, yeah, he literally, the exact match to me was Caleb, Nibiru Tributes. Yeah, and that was all I sent. And like, three minutes later, it was like, oh my god. Yeah, I sent a, what was it, nearly four paragraph message of all caps of yep. just... How did we not realize this? Of just ra- me it rambling. It so much sense now, yeah. And I'm just, yeah, like, they'll point out things like that. Yes. And that's just from my experience with Dragon Link. Right. So, the things to remember are building your deck, playtesting your deck, preferably against much better players than you, and, because they'll point out card choices that are suboptimal, they'll point out everything, and they'll help you learn about all the interactions within your deck, which is so important. They'll, and, they may, and they'll also point out cards that you probably never even thought of consider playing. For example, a great example is in this coming format where there's so much adding from deck to hand, we weren't in the game when Shared Ride was released, but maybe somebody might recommend, hey, 
instead of playing Droll, you you should try out Shared Ride. It's a it's a spell card version of Maxi. Yeah, pretty much. Whenever whenever a card is added from your, it's like a combination of Droll and Maxi. Whenever yeah. a card is added from deck to hand, draw a card. Yep. Uh, any, anytime your opponent adds a card right, from right. your deck to hand, you draw a card. Except by drawing it. Um, the point is, they might. This all goes into play testing and making changes as needed on what you expect to see. This includes your side deck, whatever. Learn your local meta. For example, I know at one of the shops that we go to, there's a machine Infinitrack player. I might side system down one week just for him because I know yep. that there's a. If I win a lot, he wins a lot. There's a good chance that we see each other. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no. Then you know. You know he. Does you know MIT does what MIT does? He passes and he thinks, "Oh, I'm good." System down, right? Huh? Just loses his entire field. And he can't do it, and he probably can't do anything about it, right? I, I know for the measly cost of a thousand life points. Yeah, I know that if I play against Dylan, I'm playing against Drytron. In addition, I know that the shops that I go to, I might see Invoke Shadal Dogmatica, or even Sky Striker, and so I know personally the best thing that I can do is I main deck Droll and Lockbird. Mm-hmm. Because the card's broken against a ton of my local matchups. And and he also sides uh, Light and Prisoning Mirror, too. I absolutely do. For that exact same reason. Lots of light. Right. The thing is, right now, if you're learning to go to a tournament, you need to be able... You need to know what to expect. Oh, yeah. You need to know what decks are prevalent in the meta. You need to know what decks are prevalent at your shop. And oh, learning yeah, that local atmosphere is the key to deck building. Oh, yeah, because there's going to be some of what we like to call jank. Oh, yeah. Um, by jank doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad deck. It's just never seen. So, right. Uh, for a great example is over at Steel Fox, there's a player there who runs heroes. Right. You don't ever see heroes. Yeah. So, Or you might see somebody on it, Cyber Dragon or something. But you some- know what? They're good with that deck. Yeah. It's not necessarily a bad deck or janky in the traditional sense, but it's like, it's rogue. Yeah. Stuff that you would never see at a regional. Well, yeah. I don't know, maybe, but. Yeah, it's it's, it's not ever really seen. Um, so when so anytime we say jank, that's what we mean is just a deck that we just never don't see. see. You don't ever see for whatever reason. Right. So um, th- th- that kind of prep is the biggest thing about these tournaments is understanding the meta. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then of course you'll and of course you'll be doing that over and over. Oh yeah, and it over. never ends. Test, play testing never ends. Oh yeah. Um, and then another big deal is right is the day before. Get some sleep. Make sure you get a full eight hours. And uh, another uh, recommendation is to go ahead and type out your deck list. You can actually go onto yes. the Konami website and and get their PDF of their of their official deck list sheet, and you can. Type it all in. That type way. it all in, and it's, it's like all... especially if you have bad handwriting. Yeah, or if you uh, can't write real small, that'll help you just type it in so it looks a lot neater. Um, Absolutely. Shower and put on some deodorant. Yeah. So, like, all of this goes before, like, before you go to these tournaments. So the deck list is like a good day before thing because, like, I, I don't personally love getting to a tournament, but that won't apply for locals. Most locals, you don't yeah. need a deck list. But, like, regional YCSs, anything like that, you need to have a deck list ready. Yeah. Um, Some locals will if they have, if they have like, a big prize support. Then they'll require it. But Yeah, like a case tournament or something, they're probably going to ask for a deck list. Yeah. But um, the sleep the night before is so important. Because I know so many people that'll go to sleep. They'll play test, play test, play test. And it's so caught up. They'll go to sleep at, like, 
five o'clock in the morning for when there's a regional at ten o'clock and it's two hours away. It's like yeah, you're running on two hours of sleep. No wonder you didn't do good. Yeah, your brain can't function. Oh yeah. So and like I said, shower and put on some deodorant. There, there, there's always been this stereotype that card game players are smelly and gross, and it's earned. Yeah. Let, let's break that. Let's. Let's let's do better. Uh, actually, I think Pokemon or Magic, one of them, instated a rule to where you can be disqualified. Oh, that's and Yu-Gi-Oh. It, yeah, it's okay. It's Yu-Gi-Oh. It's yeah. an unsportsmanlike conduct major. If your yeah. if if your smell is that bad, they can uh, they Just, can give you yeah. a game loss and potentially disqualify from you from the event. Yeah, and sometimes even eject you from the event. Yeah, it's it's seriously. There's no reason not to just. Take a shower before you leave for the event, especially considering you're going to be around possibly hundreds of people. Even if it's at your locals, there could be 40 people there. It's just, it's not always a big area. And it's not always well air conditioned. Like, come on, put on some deodorant. Look, listen, I've got this philosophy when it comes to any kind of a tournament. Look good, feel good. Feel good, play good. Play good, pay good. Pay good, live good. Live good, die good. It's just that simple, yep. folks. <laughs> oh yeah, make sure you smell nice. Bring de- uh, like I'm a sweaty dad. I'm a sweaty dude. I bring deodorant with me in my backpack, and if I go, oh, I can. I'm starting to feel ick. I'll excuse myself, go to the bathroom real quick, put on a new layer of deodorant, come back out. I'm good. Yeah, like that. Honestly, I've seen people that do that, and I respect the heck out of people that do that because, like, you have to acknowledge. Dude, just put on some deodorant. You know what I mean? Like, but also don't bring a can of Axe and just yeah, don't do that. Just just shower in it. Do a stick, just, bro. D- don't don't do that. Just just get stick. But some Old Spice or something like that. But besides prepping and besides prepping in the sense of your deck and then your physicality, right? So like, there's there's the in game prep. And then there's, like, the physical prep, which includes, like, being properly, like, being hygienic. Yeah. The other part of the physical game, though, is, like you said, rest. Make sure that you, before you go to this tournament, make sure you are properly hydrated and that you are properly, um, that you've eaten. Because Mm -hmm. it's really easy to, like, get in the flow of things and maybe, like, a regional might start at, like, 10 a.m. That's pretty normal time is 10 a.m. If a regional starts at 10 a.m., you need to have eaten before then and make sure that you are like well fed because if you're hungry and you're tired and you'll get distracted not hydrated oh it it affects your mental game so much oh yeah i've gone to events where like i didn't realize but i just woke up brushed my teeth showered and went straight to the event and i get there and i'm like man i'm kind of hungry and then i'm there all day from like 9 a.m. to like 9 p.m. Yep. You leave the event and you're like, I'm starving. I'm tired. I'm so thirsty. Even if you drink like a bottle of water throughout the day, like that's not enough. You need to drink like three to four bottles of water. Don't just. Depending upon your body weight. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. But don't just like chug sodas and Red Bulls. Expect that to hydrate you. Like you need to drink actual water. And that, that, uh, you know, drinking fluids, drinking water and keeping yourself hydrated actually plays an enormous amount into the mental aspect of the game. Oh, yeah. It really does. Oh, yeah, because... Your body being in a good shape is a big deal. Oh, yeah. And then, which is the next thing I was about to talk about, was you also have to mentally prepare yourself. Yeah, this is the third aspect of it. Yeah, is 
it's Yu-Gi-Oh! is a very mentally taxing game. You have to remember your combo lines. You also kind of have to kind of gather as much information about your opponent's deck as you can during game one. So that way you can kind of guess what might actually be on their hand or what cards they just set in their back row um, for games two and three, if you even go into game three. Right. Um, and it's just all this thinking and then thinking that all of a sudden it'll stop. Right. When, the, when, when that round ends. And then start right back up again and you're right back at square one trying to figure out all this new information and it eight like eight or more rounds of that for which eight is common hours, at a regional yeah for like eight hours of that will absolutely tire you out by the end of it you will be feeling a lot of what's called um, decision fatigue decision fatigue yeah. yep um because because then you'll because especially people who are kind of new to the tournaments like this oh yeah, it's a lot yeah they'll start you'll start noticing that as you go throughout the day you'll start making mistakes that you pro- that you're like, I shouldn't have made that mistake. Right. And it's because you're not thinking clearly because your body is not in a proper mental state. Yeah. Um, the easiest way to do that is if you finish a round and there's still lots of time left, back out. Right. Maybe step out. If you can, step outside, get a breath of fresh air, get some water. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That and, is spectacular advice. Oh, yeah. Kind of. Breathe deep, a couple yes, deep breaths. Absolutely. Get, recenter yourself. Go back in for for another round. Absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, like we say, eight rounds. Like that's no joke. Like think about it. If you go to like a twenty man local, you might play what five rounds. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Each round's about forty five minutes. Right. And then you play five rounds with a couple minutes in between each round, and then you have say you say they do they play out top cut and they do top four, then you have top four. And finals. So you could be looking at seven rounds for a 20-man local. Yep. That's not uncommon. Oh, yeah. And that'll be about seven hours. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and then realistically, you're probably going to be there an hour before the tournament starts. Because if you get there when the shop opens, do some trading, hanging out, yeah. re-sleeve your deck maybe. And then you stay there for an hour to an hour and a half after the tournament ends. Which I, I can't say everybody does that, but I do that all the time. Oh, yeah. I, I like trading as much as I like playing. Oh, yeah. So, but it, it can, like you said, it can mentally exhaust you. Oh, yeah. And it, and it can happen quick if you're not careful. Yeah, you won't realize it and you'll leave the shop at like 9 p.m. and be like, I haven't eaten anything today. Yeah. Um. Or usually in my case, because I, I, I've gone to the habit of eating a big meal right before I leave. Because yeah. then I'm not hungry again until what 5 I, o'clock. What I've decided I'm going to start doing is... um. I couldn't do this when I was younger because I was like 14, but now I'm old enough. I literally think what I'm going to do is I have a big Yeti ice chest. Ooh, yeah. Fill that with snacks and, and water. Yep. I'm going to top it with ice. It's got like a little bat, a little basket that sits yeah. in it. That way it doesn't sus. You can put stuff in there. It doesn't sit in the ice. I'm going to make like, like we can make sandwiches before we go. Like a regional where you're going to be there all day. Yeah. I can walk out to the parking lot, eat a sandwich real quick. Drink some water, Gatorade, whatever so I need. Get ice back. cold water too. Exactly. Get my head back in the game. That would be the way to do it. Oh yeah, like, make it turn into like a tailgate, like an all day affair. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, if you if you have the ability to do that, even at locals, because like if you start the tournament at twelve, you I hope you ate right before. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and of course, so. bring some snacks, some little like some crackers or something, just something. Yeah, something to give yourself substance. Like peanuts are good. Good protein, very granola filling. Bars. Granola bars, awesome. Uh, just watch the sugar intake because you don't want to have a sugar crash yeah, mid-game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like when I say granola bar, I'm talking like the more 
Protein-filled ones. Yeah, the more protein type of granola bars. Uh, trail mix is pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So, that'll move us past the pre-prep into the actual, like, what to... Alright, you're, you're, you've done all your prep. You're on your way to the event. You are packing. These are the things you want to have in your backpack, which is one of the things you want to make sure you bring with you is your backpack. Oh, yeah. Uh, so first off, a backpack to carry all your stuff. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, we say a backpack. A bag. Preferably one that zips. Um, just for it's le- stuff's less likely to get to fall out. Stuff's less likely to just kind of get just kind of decide to leave. Yeah, sometimes might get up As, and walk out your backpack. Yeah, with a much nicer way of saying it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I invested eighty five dollars in yeah, my backpack into a backpack that has a lock on it. Yeah, mine has a lock on um, it because I've been like traumatized by stuff getting stolen. Yeah. Uh, and then not even joking. Yeah, then they also make back. It. They also make backpacks where the zipper is against your back. Yes. So people have to reach around. So somebody tries to. Uh, it's a they, it's a hidden zipper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if people actually want to get into your backpack and you're it's on your back. They have to reach around the backpack and end up having to touch your back. And if you do have a backpack that has like, like a bunch of pouches on it, and like you, there's a pouch all the way at the outside. Like, don't keep anything valuable in that farthest outside pouch because it's super easy to get into. Yeah, or any of the side pouches. Keep like drinks and extra sleeves and stuff like that whatever keep the deodorant yeah keep that stuff in the outside sanitizer and a mask yeah but your primary big pocket is where you put all your valuables yeah Yeah. because a that's a much bigger zipper that have to unzip which is going to make a loud zip sound right right you know it's it's the chances of something happening are lowered this way um of course you got to bring your deck got to bring sleeves uh we recommend your deck in a deck box yeah um which we've talked about deck boxes before. Yeah, I, I personally, I think if I'm going to recommend a deck box to a newer player, I think I'm I'm kind of set on the Boulder deck box. Yeah, if if they're willing to put money into it, if, they're, they're I think they're only about ten bucks. Yeah, yeah, but you can also spend two dollars and get a little Ultra Pro deck box. I yeah, work. I mean whatever does the job for you, but I oh, think yeah. the Boulder would protect them better. Oh, absolutely. Uh, of course, sleeves. Um, yep. Most tournament locations are going to have these on location. Usually, the only reason they don't is because they have sold out. Oh yeah, like uh, like that last weekend at our at our local. Yep, yep. yep. they sold. sold clean out. It happens. Um, have extras. Don't, yeah, yeah. Okay, so like, so like, so what I recommend is, so like, let's say you're like, oh, I want to, I want to have pink sleeves. Get two boxes. Yeah, I always buy two boxes when I buy sleeves because. Even when I'm testing, even like remote dueling, like I shuffle a lot. Even when I'm doing test hands, I shuffle my deck all the time. Well, even like even the day of, or like I'm just going to re-sleeve when I get there, get two yeah. boxes. Because because as your sleeves get shuffled, they get damaged. Yep. Sometimes they'll fail yeah. mid-game. And if you don't have another sleeve to replace that with, that's it. That's a game loss. It, yeah, it is. Um, I, I know... I remember we had uh, our friend Justin, who we've talked about before. He would re-sleeve before every tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, if he's going to multiple locals in one weekend, he might not re-sleeve then. But like before every regional, before any YCSs he yeah. went to, any I know, large tournament. Yeah, I know he day twoed at YCS Austin, and when he day twoed there, he re-sleeved day one, and then day two before he went into the bubbles, he re-sleeved again. Yep, just to make sure that. The chances of something failing mid-game is very limited. Again, because right. you can get a game loss if one of your uh, sleeves like bursts through the side. And if you double sleeve, get an extra pack of double sleeves too. Oh, absolutely. Unless you bought like the big hundred count box, in which case you're probably fine. But probably for a while. Yeah. Um. 
The next thing you need to make sure you bring is your playmat, whether it's an expensive Spellgrounds or a regular like Konami mat or something, just a plain Jane mat yeah. that you got on Amazon. Um, now, the primary purpose behind the actual playmat, which I don't remember if we talked about this in the episode where we talked about products like this, um, is primarily to protect your cards right. from the table. Yeah, actually, what's crazy is a lot of people don't realize how harsh of a surface most tables are. Oh, yeah, and uh, particularly those, like, folding, those those white fold-out tables. Oh, which is at every shop. Yeah, just, it's got a very rough top that I can actually right. really scratch up cards and really, get, it's just not, no bueno. Yeah. Um, Dice, usually 2d6. Yeah, if you have a couple of d6 dice, this is great. Like, like we said, it can be... Get them out of Monopoly. Yeah, plain Jane Monopoly dice, or it can be fancy Konami dice, whatever, just... 2d6. 2d6. Um, and uh, a trade binder. Your yeah. binder with all your trades in it yeah. so you can get some trading done. Yeah, I, I love trading. Like I said, it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, um, now, some people will actually go to a tournament with the bare minimum. I'm talking they'll bring their deck, and the next item we we're about to talk about, a calculator and a pen... Uh, a calculator... Uh, and or pen and paper. Right. Usually nine times out of ten is going to be pen and paper because they don't just limit what anything that can happen. Yeah. So we will say, let's roll through everything you should care and then tell you the things that like, like minimalistic, this is what you should do. Fair enough. Uh, so calculator and or pen and paper. Uh, if I recommend, I know a lot of people love calculators. I do not recommend a calculator. I oh, recommend yeah. a pen and paper. And I can oh, give yeah. you a great example as to why. So... At a tournament I went to recently, I'm not going to say which tournament, I'm not going to say which opponent, we had a discrepancy where it was, um, I was tracking on a, uh, actually, no, I'll do a different example from a friend. I had one where he was tracking everything on a calculator and the opponent was tracking on pen and paper. And they were about to go into time and the opponent had, the opponent being up on life and he had himself being up on life. And so time gets called, and they call a judge over. And the judge says, who's up on life? And they both say, I am. Well, who's the judge go with? It's obviously going to be the one with pen and paper. because Right, because if the one with pen and paper can point at exactly where every life point was lost, then he can... The judge can go, okay, well, he has an actual record of everything that mm -hmm. happened. Your calculator is not an official record. That is. Yep. So what happened was there was a 200 life point discrepancy because of 10 keys. Two attacks with a 10 key on. Yep, that'll and do it. The opponent didn't calculate the 10 key, and he did. And because the opponent didn't calculate the 10 key, he won the match. Yep. Which, you know, had both players been doing pen and paper. They would have um, seen the discrepancy. And yeah, fixed he, it. And it would have resolved right correctly. Yeah. So. Um, don't get me wrong. You can actually do both uh, if you're really bad at math like I am. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon. I mean, they even have Konami official calculators. Like, actually, I say don't use a calculator. If you use a calculator on the Neuron app, the, the calculator on the Neuron app has keeps, a log. It has a log, and that is actually also, you can use that as... Um, like official record. Yep. So a judge can look at that and like use it as official record. Yeah, but that's also Konami's product, which is why they're right comfortable it, using it. I, honestly, I would say your phone is one of the things that should be in your backpack with the Neuron app on it because, like, if your opponent has foreign cards, that can be used as an official um, 
That's what I'm looking for. Like translation. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because no, uh, the Neuron app has the database. Name. It has. It only has. Does it have the database? You can scan a car and it'll pull up your. Uh, even if it's an alternate, even if it's like in a German and you, and you need the yep. English copy, you scan it. It'll pull up the English the English text. Right. It's it's an official translation. So. Not just the not just in a, in a translation. The most recent text. So even if you're using an older copy of the card that's been errated. Right. For, one for example, reason or another, Imperial Order. For example, very common order. card that has been errated. Yep, yeah, you'll scan it and it'll pull up the most, re- whatever it says is the most recent uh, wording of it. Right, so make sure you have your pen and paper, make sure you have your cell phone with the Neuron app on it, preferably. Obviously you need your backpack. We've told you already, bring water and snacks. I bring two bottles of water with me every Ex- time. Especially if you have a medical condition. Right, uh, so like if you have like, hypoglos- like hypoglycoma or diabetes, make sure you have the appropriate snacks to where you're properly... Um, you know, yeah, being nourished, stacked up, yeah, um, um, hand sanitizer and your mask, right? Uh, and like, it's a very like germ filled game. Like you're shuffling each other's decks. Which yeah. Some locals are not doing that. I understand, um, but yeah, you re- be aware of the social environment that we live in currently, yeah. and um, understand like if your opponent was just like, hey, can you just tell me how to cut it and I'll cut it, like that way you don't have to touch my cards. Like, be. Be okay with that. You be, know? be courteous. That's the word, courteous. Yeah, be courteous. Be, yeah, be very courteous. Um, also, even like okay, so even if let's say th- two, three years from now, all of this is over, disease is eradicated, no big deal. It'll still kind of help you avoid like the con flu. And, yeah. Oh yeah. And stuff like that. Um, it's, it's just it's just more hygiene stuff. The only other thing that we don't actually have listed here that I would like to throw in, um, if you have one. I would bring a portable battery pack for your phone. Fo- yeah, if you're yeah. using your phone, definitely bring a portable battery. That Neuron app sucks battery, so I, personally, like my backpack has a thing where I can actually like hook up a battery pack through the backpack and, yeah, and charge lo- outside and, and like lock my phone up and stuff. Yeah, and you can also lock your the battery pack in there too. It's great. Right, it really is. So the thing though is, if you have like a small backpack and you're like, hey. I sh- I need to bring the essentials, just the bare essentials. Oh, yeah. What should I bring? Uh, it, yeah, that would be your deck in your deck box, dice, one extra pack of sleeves, maybe. one extra pack of sleeves because they're so small you can just throw it in there. Yeah, um, pen and paper, play mat, play mat. But here's the thing: you can actually just carry your play mat around in a tube. You can buy a tube to put your play mat in. Yeah, but even if you have just like a knapsack, like you can just drop this tube down in the knapsack yeah. and tighten it up around the top of the tube. Yeah, exactly. You have options. I think that the bare minimum you need to bring is a playmat, and you need to bring your side deck with your extra deck and your main deck. You need to bring dice and your pen and paper. Yep. So just deck, pen and paper, playmat, and the extra pack of sleeves. And an extra pack of sleeves. That's like the yeah. dead bare minimum. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty, like I said, I, I've seen people with like little tiny backpacks. That's all they carry. And then they just tuck their uh, their their uh, mat, their play mat tube with their play mat in yeah. it under their arm yep, to walk I've around. Seen that. Um, a lot of backpacks have like a water bottle pouch on the yeah, side. You can slide it in there. Slide your tube in there. Um, with the backpack I had before the one I have now, that's what I used to do. Yeah. So, um, and the only other thing that I would recommend if in a small pack like that is. Um, I would not bring a full-size trade binder. I would bring, like, a little two-by-two two trade binder. And that's if you're like, I want to bring trades. Yeah, so you can you can condense everything into an extremely small space. But, you know, yeah, be be aware. Be, yeah. 
Uh, and then, of course, and after- oh, and while you're at the tournament, always, 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 don't hang your backpack on the back of the chair. Don't put it underneath the chair. Put it between your legs. Yeah, in front of you, in between your legs, under the table. It's the only safe space. I'm telling you. People yeah. think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you. Oh yeah. Um, and then, of course, throughout the day, take notes. Yeah, I mean, every every time it's legal in Yu-Gi-Oh, like when your opponent, as long as you do it quickly and timely, if your opponent like attacks you directly with Borbo with a Ram Ram as material, so 400 damage, like I would just write 400 Bor. Yeah, or 400 Zoo BB. Yeah, 400 Zoo BB. Like just that way you know like where you got hit, and also I wouldn't take notes on actual gameplay, but I would take mental notes like. Yeah, maybe, like, after the game is over, flip to a different page and start taking down your mental notes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you have time between rounds, I I would do that. Because it's so important to be able to look back on what you did throughout the day. What you did right, what you did wrong. Exactly. Hey, uh, hey, maybe this person did a combo you didn't know that 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 that, uh, particular deck could do. Yeah, absolutely. You can write that down so so that way you can integrate it into the next time you go up against that deck, that that is a possible play that they might make. Right. I mean, what sides worked well for you that day, and what sides did you never use and never see? Yeah. Uh, well, Or when you saw them, they didn't work. Yeah, like, less than never saw, but saw, but didn't work, or you just, or you just th- throughout the day, were like, I wish I had something else instead of, the, instead right. of that, and that's a lot of it, because it's useless. Right. Um, and so... then, yeah, or you might just end up being like me, and just... you. You could have gone in there without a side deck and it not change anything. <laughs> yeah. So, to make a long story short, how to prepare for your first tournament, okay? Before the tournament, get lots of sleep, lots of rest, make sure you eat well and stay hydrated. Make sure you do lots of play testing and preparing, know your deck inside and out. Um, make sure you fill out your deck list if it's an event that will require one. Make sure you shower and brush your teeth and are hygienic. Mentally prep yourself. When you go, bring your deck. Bring your side an extra deck, bring your dice, extra, extra sleeves, extra sleeves, a pen and paper, and your playmat, and maybe some trades. Um, then make sure that you stay hydrated throughout the day. And at the end of the day, take a step back and evaluate. Oh, yeah. Um, Go get uh, some food with some friends, talk about your day, and talk mm-hmm. about everything you did right and everything you did wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah most definitely. I mean, again, because... Yeah, and of course, if you could, and of course, you also have great memory. You can all start kind of, kind of going through plays, and your opponent can go, "Oh, that yes, you shouldn't have done that. You should have done this." Not your opponent. Your friends can also come point out some other stuff that you didn't realize was the wrong play at the time, but it was. Right, right. So that'll give you a quick and broad like knowledge base of this is what I should and should not do yeah. going into the tournament. So as long as you have all of that. Um, which I know it sounds like a lot, but like once you get into the flow of things and like you have like a mental checklist and you mm-hmm. really start mentally prepping yourself, it kind of becomes second nature. It really does. It really, really does. So, well, I think that'll do it for today. Oh yeah. Thank you everybody for listening. Make sure to follow us at Top Cut Podcast on Twitter. Make sure that you follow Caleb at Jam the Man Seventeen. You can follow me at Dat Chumley. Be sure to give us feedback. Check out our sister channel on YouTube, Team Dark Arm Dealings. There will be a link to them in the description. Check out our our channel on YouTube, which is our archive. So maybe if you miss an episode and you don't really want to listen on Spotify for whatever reason or Apple Podcasts. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Um, 
If you want to send your friend a clip moment, it's on YouTube. So we ask that you please share this podcast with everybody you know. We are very, very close to 1,000 plays. As crazy as that sounds, we've only been doing this for going on three months now. We just had our second season. Yep. And in this second season, we are at almost 1,000 plays. That is huge for us. Oh, yeah, for us. I mean, for a lot of people, probably not. But for us, that is gigantic. Yeah, it really is. So we're very happy. We're very proud of what we've built. We're very thankful for all the help that we've gotten over time from the listeners, from other content creators. And we are asking that you stay with us. Oh, yeah. Hang out. Getting that, Caleb? Uh, no, you summed up everything quite nicely as usual. All righty. Well, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your day. And have a good weekend. Take care, everybody. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.